Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary, Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include CFPB news, my interview with Rob Chrisman on this week's Western Secondary Topics, the RON bill, and reaction to the Fed rate hike. Today's podcast is presented by Candor, AI that puts your underwriting on autopilot. As the only autonomous intelligence in mortgage technology, only Candor's loan engineering system can make complex underwriting decisions with zero human assist. Candor automates both tasks and intellect. Here's some publicity that no lender wants. Today, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, CFPB, and the U.S. Department of Justice, DOJ, took action to end Trident Mortgage Company's Intentional discrimination against families living in majority-minority neighborhoods in the greater Philadelphia area. The CFPB and DOJ alleged Trident redlined majority-minority neighborhoods through its marketing, sales, and hiring actions. Specifically, Trident's actions discouraged prospective applicants from applying for mortgage and refinance loans in the greater Philadelphia area's majority-minority neighborhoods. This will require Trident to pay a $4 million civil penalty to the CFPB to use for the CFPB's Victim Relief Fund. To increase non-discriminatory access to credit, Trident will establish an $18.4 million loan subsidy program. A lender it contracts with will offer loans to qualified applicants on a more affordable basis when borrowing to purchase properties in majority-minority neighborhoods in the Philadelphia MSA. The loan subsidies can include closing cost assistance, down payment assistance, and payment of mortgage insurance premiums. You know what they say, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Let's talk about the Secure Notarization Act. It still has to get through the Senate where the average age is 64 and the oldest member is 89, so there may be a lack of interest in technology. But the House of Representatives passed H.R. 3962. Bob Brokesmith, President and CEO of the Mortgage Bankers Association offered the following statement on the passage of the Secure Notarization Act. Quote, MBA is grateful the House has passed this legislation that creates federal minimum standards to allow notaries in all states to perform safe and effective remote online notarization, or RON, transactions, making the mortgage closing process more convenient for all consumers, including our nation's military families. Importantly, the bill's minimum standards for RON are consistent with both the MBA and ALTA model, state RON bill, and the Mortgage Industry Standards Maintenance Organization, or MISMO, RON standards, that would complement existing state laws by providing states with the flexibility and freedom to implement their own RON standards. MBA now urges the Senate to consider and pass Senate Bill 1625, the House bill's companion measure, as expeditiously as possible. End quote. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back onto the podcast, Rob Chrisman, to talk a little bit about what he experienced at the Western Secondary this week. What were your takeaways from the Western Secondary? Well, first off, it was a very busy conference. I believe they had over 700 registered, which is very good attendance. I would say the mood is good, but not great. And when you ask people how things are going, they'll say, good. And then when you actually ask them how things are really going, then you learn about the layoffs and the cutbacks and so forth. So the overall mood 
while good is very cautious and you know it's going to continue to be a tough year maybe this question leads to a provincial answer but what were what were some of the session highlights obviously i guess you can only speak to the ones you attended but maybe you heard of some that were good as well i attended several the topics of conversation in the sessions in the hallways were focused around trying to find products for loan officers, whether they were HELOCs or seconds or adjustable rate mortgages. People were talking about setting up reverse mortgage divisions and so on. Uh, We also talked about how the role of the CEO has changed versus the last few years into this year. Obviously, it's much more fun and interesting and exciting to be out there hiring. Now we've gotten into a a market where layoffs dominate the news. So it's a different skill set for some managers. So it can be very tough. And the question is, how are CEOs handling it? So that was a very good session. The secondary marketing sessions however, tended to focus on things like the lack of premium pricing, the lack of an arm market, the loan officer questions that are prevalent out there now, the mandatory versus best effort spread volatility, the portfolio lenders who are out there, the potential buybacks from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac that people are talking about. Uh, and so on. So the, you know, the overall focus of the conference was on secondary marketing, of course, but the subgroups are pretty typical and have been typical throughout the years. Although this year there was a fair amount of chatter about non-QM. It seems like every year is, is a great year is going to be the year for non-QM investors and lenders And we went into this year thinking that, and then suddenly Sprout and First Guarantee go belly up. And so that has spooked the herd in terms of non-QM investors and reminds us of the importance of pricing and underwriting to more than just one investor. I think the reasons for pessimism in the industry are well known. Can you talk about some reasons for optimism that you heard out there? Sure. The people who have actually been in our business for the longest seem to be the most optimistic because they've been through a bit few business cycles. I I heard the term culling the herd more than once when they are talking about how loan officers are sticking around or not sticking around, ops people sticking around, not sticking around, and then companies big and small sticking around or not sticking around. And so if you think about it in terms of a fruit tree, typically in the winter is when you prune your fruit trees and then they come back even stronger in the spring and into the summer. And so the people who've been around the block a time or two view this as a situation where the strongest will survive and are looking forward to that environment. Yeah, so what were the CEOs saying about what they're doing? And I guess uh, part two of that would be, 
we knew that this, we knew that the boom part of the cycle was not going to last forever. What did the companies who put themselves in the best position do to prepare for this time? Or what are they currently doing? A lot of companies left their earnings in the company rather than the owners taking it out. They realized that 2020 and 2021 were unusual years in terms of volume and margins and profits. However, they knew that winter was coming. And so warehouse banks and counterparties like broker dealers and correspondent investors like to see financial wherewithal from their clients. And so when you are burning through cash, it's important to have a lot of cash. And so many companies, I think, left earnings in their bank accounts and that helps the the CEOs are mostly focused on trying to stay ahead of the cost cutting and revenue situation because it's almost impossible to cut costs fast enough right now or or non-productive personnel and so they're trying to keep up with that. So they're actively monitoring statistics in terms of production, productivity, how many loans are being underwritten, whether loan officers are profitable, whether AEs are profitable, and whether channels are profitable. So it's a matter of measuring and monitoring and making some hard decisions quickly. What trends are you seeing as we move into the latter half of the year? Well, it'll be interesting to see what impact the Federal Reserve's rate increases have on the general market. We know that they rose or they raised rates another 75 basis points yesterday in terms of the targeted Fed funds rate range. But of course, that doesn't directly impact 30 year fixed rate mortgages. So the rest of the year, <clears throat> I hear many people talking about how we may have seen the highest point in 30-year and 15-year mortgages. Certainly, that would be nice. But anybody looking for rates to go back into the twos or threes, I think, is going to be sorely disappointed. So we could easily chop around these interest rate levels through the remainder of the year. And then it's a question of, are you originating loans in a profitable manner? And are you doing break-even or better? because that's what counterparties want to see. So I think for many companies, it'll be a matter of, of battening down the hatches and just trying to survive. For others, it'll be an opportunity to pick up some market share by expanding in, in, selected, in selected ways. I saw you interacting with the masses at some of the social events, and it was kind of like when the Pope leaves the Pope Mobile or John Lennon and Yoko Ono go for a walk in New York City. What's your upcoming schedule? Where can we find you next? That's not true, but I'll be in in Michigan next week at the Michigan Mortgage Lenders Association and then going to an Accelerate Users Conference in Orange County and then in the middle of the month, Florida, for the Florida Association of Mortgage Professionals Conference. As anticipated, the Federal Reserve increased its target Fed funds rate by 75 basis points at their July meeting yesterday to combat inflation. The market showed little immediate reaction to the announcement, but did rally during Fed Chairman Powell's press conference, where he was vague about future plans. He revealed that officials will set policy on a meeting-by-meeting -meeting basis, 
rather than offering explicit guidance on the size of their next moves. That won't help calm volatility, which has been caused recently by the tug-of-war between the persistently high inflation necessitating Fed hikes and the increasing risk of an economic slowdown and resulting recession. The central bank will slow the pace of rate increases at some point. The Fed also reaffirmed plans to reduce its balance sheet by continuing the passive runoff of its treasury and MBS holdings. There was a lot of data to digest before the Fed. Retail inventories rose 2% in June, higher than expected, which bodes well for the advanced estimate of second quarter GDP that comes out today. Durable goods orders were up 1.9% month over month in June when the figure was expected to decline. Business spending remained on a positive trajectory, and new orders for non-defense capital goods, excluding aircraft, increased 0.5% for the second consecutive month. Wholesale inventories rose 1.9% as well, suggesting that the supply chain issues of the past two years are working themselves out. And pending home sales declined 8.6% month-over-month in June and 20% year-over-year after increasing a revised 0.4% in May. Following yesterday's Fed events, attention now turns to the first release of Q2 GDP which came in down 0.9%, with personal consumption up 1.0%. As we've said before, this puts us in a technical recession, though the government has will likely now find ways to claim we're not in one. We've also received weekly jobless claims in at 256,000, up slightly. Later this morning brings Freddie Mac's primary mortgage market survey, July Kansas City Fed manufacturing, and a treasury auction of $38 billion of seven-year notes. The desk will target UMBS 34% through 5% for up to $830 million, the last operation on the current schedule, before releasing a new purchase schedule covering the July 29th to August 11th period in the afternoon. We begin the day with agency MBS prices, a few ticks better, and the 10-year yielding 2.75 after yesterday's close of 2.73% due to the GDP number. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. My girlfriend asked if I'd seen the dog bowl. I said I never knew he did. (laughs) Thanks again to this week's podcast sponsor, Candor. AI that puts your underwriting on autopilot. Candor automates both tasks and intellect. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.